Welcome, welcome, welcome back to Exit Light Inner Podcast. This is episode three. Um, coming off a heartbreaker to UVA. Got a lot to talk about about that. Uh, Brad, uh, you got over the pain yet over there yet, buddy? Uh, barely. Um, I think the last last couple days has been rough. I know uh, we watched the game together on Friday, and it was like as soon as it was over, I was ready just to kind of shut the door on pretty much everything to do with football. I don't, I didn't watch much for a couple hours after that. Um, I was, uh, I was in a, I was in a dark place for a little bit because I was just so sure. I mean, I felt better about that game than I did Pitt. And so it was, a kind of difficult, kind of difficult to deal with, but here we are. The sun came up the next morning, as a lot of people have said, and, uh, we're still alive, and we're going to make a good bowl game, I think. So there's a lot of things to be positive about, but there's a lot of things to be negative about after that one. Yeah, man, we uh, we uh, we uh, had some good stakes before the game. We thought we was going to just – we was ready to punch our tickets to Charlotte for the uh, ACC title game. There was a lot of highs and lows during the game. Started off bad, you know, Perkins ran wild the first couple of possessions. Man, we had him stopped. It was third and long twice on the first drive, and I don't know. I don't know. Bud kind of didn't trust his legs. I don't know, but the dude was just running wild, and then Bud adjusted, and the defense shut him down for, you know, pretty much two or three quarters. And then the last quarter, he just went berserk with his arm. It was, I don't know, it was highs and lows all over the place. We thought we had it won. We lost it. I don't know. There was some controversial play calls on offense. Uh, we, we wasn't aggressive when I thought we should have been aggressive. Uh, right there at half, I think we got the ball. Before halftime, with like a minute and a half left, and Fuente decides to, to run the ball three straight times and didn't use any timeouts. McLeish rips off a big run. Then we end up with eight seconds left on the clock with no chance to score. I don't know. It's like it's like when we get in big games, Fuente kind of gets gun-shy. Or, I don't know. What, what do you think about that? Well, what was strange to me was it seemed like when we should have been a little more conservative, we went too aggressive. And when we should have been a little more per- aggressive we were a little too passive it was it, it was strange to watch that play out and I, I watched um oh I watched some some film on it on YouTube a little bit and I, I was just kind of slowing down the game a little and noticing some of those spots like uh in the fourth quarter you know third and 18 and Fuente is known for being extremely patient especially when he has good special teams like we have this year and so I just assumed, as we always do, I mean, he says all the time, you pass to score and you run to win. And he's famous for saying that. And so I just thought for sure that he was going to run the ball up the middle, get four or five yards, set Bradburn up for a really good punt. You know, we were, I think, right past the 50, give or take. <clears throat> and um, what ended up happening is Hendon drops back and throws a 20 or 25-yard out route to the sideline that gets picked off by a linebacker who played it perfectly in between two wide receivers. And so tricked Hendon completely. 
uh, Hendon with a rare mistake, but it was a big one. And so it was stuff like that that I was kind of scratching my head about when I rewatched the game because I thought this is nothing like Fuente to throw the ball on third and 18 or 14 or whatever it was. And if we had not done that, so what Virginia ended up doing was taking the ball there at like the 30 or 35, and they got the ball to the 35 on the other side or maybe the 30, and they kicked a field goal, which put us down 33 to 30. When every other game I've ever seen Fuente coach in, he runs the ball right there. We punt the ball inside the 15, maybe inside the 10, and, and tell UVA, just like we did in Notre Dame, and Notre Dame, to their credit, drove 90 yards and won the game, we would have just told UVA, here's 90 yards, you've got four minutes. If you can drive it, good for you, win the game. But we bet you can't. And what happened was we gave it to them on the 30 or 35, and they only had to go, what, 45, 50 yards to get the game, basically the game-winning field goal because the reason that Hendon has been so – uh, good in this offense is because the misdirection plays, you never know if it's going to a running back or if it's a screen play. Well, when we're down 33 to 30 with, what, a minute 50 to go, you already you know Hendon is going to drop back and pass. And when you, we've got a uh, offensive line full of young players, I mean, UVA was pinning their ears back and sending six on every play. Hendon gets sacked a couple times and then fumbles in the end zone, game over. So it, it was a mixture of confusing plays. I know I was rambling a little there, but it was a mixture of confusing plays as far as aggressiveness goes. Yeah, you talk about that. I think the first drive we got down there on the red zone, uh, Cornell's and runs the ball three straight times and runs a jet sweep, like third and five inside the goal, you know, third and goal from the five and runs a jet sweep. And Trey Turner, when we've been scoring all year, on fade routes to Damon Hazleton and Trey Turner, I, I was just mind blown at some of Cornelison's play calls. I, and he's caught a lot of flack from the hokey armchair uh, Twitter guys too over it. And uh, a lot of people's, I'm just going to call it like I see it. A lot of people want him gone, and I, I might fall in that category with the people wanting him gone. Uh, what do you think about that? I, I see both sides of the argument because. I understand what people are saying, that yes, we're putting up 30, 35 a game. But in these close games, it's every close game, we make he makes the wrong decision in crunch time. Almost unanimously. It happens every time. I mean, like you were talking about close to halftime, we've got a minute 40 to go. I think we had either two or three timeouts. Plenty of time to throw a couple of, uh, you know, crossing routes or slant routes or something call a timeout, pick up a chunk play, call a timeout, run a couple of plays, you know, get in field goal range. If we had hit that field goal, if you if you think of, like, if you project forward, if we could have just got a field goal right there, then UVA's field goal would have effectively been 33 to 33, and we basically could have just taken it to overtime, and who knows what happens in overtime. But because yeah, we didn't get any points there, it leaves a lot to wonder, and it seems like it's we're always putting ourselves in those positions every crunch time moment yeah i mean i get so sick of us playing not to lose a game instead of going out there and winning the damn thing i mean i'm gonna tip my hat off to uva because i think i'm just gonna call like i see it i think we got out coached in that game tip my hat to bronco bent mendenhall uh, 
that last possession, he was pinning his ears back. He was going after Hendon Hooker with everything he had. And Hooker, man, he was a deer in the headlights. First real crunch time moment for him. Uh, and Bronco knew it, and Bronco sent the house. So I'm going to tip my hat to UVA. Uh, hope to get your ass kicked versus Clemson. I put I put none of this on Hendon. I, I think Hendon played an absolute tremendous game. If you look at the stats, if you subtract out Bryce Perkins, 164 on the ground, he had the exact same number of passing yards as, as Bryce did on two less throws, and he had the same number of touchdowns. And the only he had one more interception than Bryce did, but that was that one at the end of the half where he just heaved one up. So they basically had the same number of real interceptions. I know that one counts, but, you know. So, I mean, I, I put none of this on, on Hendon. He played a fantastic game, but I just think there were situations where he was he was left out to dry. I mean, I, I just – I'm with you. I, I, don't, I don't know what the answer is. I don't know if the answer is firing Cornelson, but I think you can make a very strong argument to do so. I – I doubt they will, given the fact we're already having to replace the defensive coordinator. But I, I if they did, there would be no arguments from me. I would, I would support it a hundred percent. Yeah. Well. Anyways, it's gonna, it's gonna hurt not having that Commonwealth Cup. But we can't sit around and talk about it forever. Uh, EVA, good win. Your fans suck on Twitter. That one guy running out on the field. In Bud Foster's face, I hope you live a life of hell. And uh, other than that, we're going to move into our next subject, which is a very important one with, I think, 15 or 14 days left of uh, until the early signing period. We need to get this defense coordinator hired, dude. Yeah, I, I'm confused as to what we're waiting on. I mean, we're sitting here recording on a Tuesday, and I really – thought that there would be an announcement by now at least a soft announcement they don't have to bring out all the bells and whistles but there needs to be a small you know breaking news on espn such and such is hired as virginia tech's next next defensive coordinator so that these recruits know there's some stability going on because right now there's just so much up in the air i mean we've talked about six different uh, defensive coordinator people that could that could be taking the job and I just think we need to, we need to shore that up right now. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if they already got a guy and they're waiting on bowl season or waiting on all the games to be played. But with the coaching carousel, the way it's been going down here this week, uh, you won't, you don't want to get caught with your pants down and lose that guy, if that makes sense, because there's going to be a lot of openings across college football. A lot of big names out there too, and uh, uh, Fuentes Fuentes' buddy lost his job the other day at Missouri. I guess if I was a betting man, that's who I'm going to put my money on right now. But I'm afraid he's not going to be in for the long haul. I think he's going to use Virginia. Well, he's coming in with a talented group of defensive players. We're returning 21 of 22 starters, and he's coming in. <laughs> with a loaded defense and he's going to look like a genius when he starts shutting people out with that talent and I'm just afraid Barry Odom might use Virginia Tech as a stepping stone and next thing you know we're going to be looking again and 
who knows what will be out there then. But if I'm betting, I'm going to bet on Barry Odom. If I'm wanting, I want Torreon Gray, like our Twitter page. I mean, he's he's definitely the fan favorite on our Twitter page. So Oh, for sure. And, you know, um, I agree with you on, on the Barry Odom point. And another name that just floated out on some of the message boards, apparently it's confirmed that there's actually been a conversation is uh, Chris Ash. Uh, ex-coach from Rutgers just got fired in September, mid-season. Uh, he was at Rutgers for a few years, and, I mean, good defensive mind, but apparently he's had conversations with with Virginia Tech as well. And uh, there's just so many different names, Barry Odom and Chris Ash and uh, Justin Hamilton, and I know some people have talked about Wiles and some people have talked about Torian Gray and it's just so many different names. Like, let's just get to the bottom of this so that we can move on because it's such a carousel right now. And Texas's defensive coordinator position is coming open. Like you said, if, I mean, if we get caught with our pants down, like you said, I mean, he, they could, Texas is going to steal one of these big names. So if we want, if Barry Odom's who we want and Fuente thinks he'll stick around, then you need to hire the guy. I mean, let's get it over with, whoever it's going to be, because if if you don't, you're not going to get the guy you want. Yeah, I think a lot of it's going to depend on if Barry Odom actually wants to step down to a defensive coordinator, being he was a head coach with all these openings. He may be getting other calls to come be a head coach again. Who knows? He could. I'm not seeing it. He had a rough tenure at Missouri, but maybe. I mean – it's possible, and like you said, you never know with you, you, especially some of these mid-major programs and smaller, you know, non-power five teams that just want any name that's halfway decent to fill their spot. It's it's just going to be so hard to replace Bud. I mean, I, I mean, we have the money. I think Bud was probably the highest-paid defensive coordinator. So money probably isn't going to be an issue. Uh, Todd Granham from Florida, he's their uh, defensive coordinator now. I'm sure they're paying him a big penny, but he played at Virginia Tech along with Torian Gray, played at Virginia Tech. So you know those guys want to come home. So I just hope they're having that conversation. I, I, I hope they are too. I hope they're at least making the effort. If – you know, if Gray says, you know, I'm, I'm straight, I'm good, I'm, I like it here, or whatever, then fair enough. But at least shoot your shot on the guy that, I mean, I know a lot of people on Twitter have talked about need a guy with experience and all this other stuff. Well, my God, what better experience than a team that's returning ten starters on defense? And by the way, the one starter we're losing in Reggie Floyd. You can make the argument he lost us the game against UVA. I think Devin Hunter's a better player. I love you, Reggie, but he played awful. I mean, the safeties, him and Devine both were bad in the UVA game. They basically lost us the game. I mean, I'm sorry to be so harsh, but and I don't mean to preach on that again, but it's the truth. So you've got an all-star defense coming back. You've One of our better defenses coming back into this next season, and – I think all the chips are on the table to make a special group. We just need to make the hire. So at least have the conversation with the guy. And if he if he doesn't want to do it, then so be it. Let's move on and get the guy you want. But we need to do it now. 
Yeah, uh, Whit Babcock, if, if you ever listen to this episode, go ahead and make that hire, dude. Let's, let's give those uh, let's give those recruits a peace of mind, knowing who they will be coming to play for. And but, by the way, shout out Whit Babcock. He's doing a great job. Don't get me wrong. I mean, he's he's an awesome athletic director, I think. But this one is making me scratch my head a little bit. Like it's kind of making me nervous. Let's let's get on the ball, Whit. Anyway, man, we're uh, we're moving on to bow season. Uh, I've seen projections from the Citrus Bow to the Pinstripe Bow to the Music City Bow to the Belk Bow, and slim chance, but we could actually end up playing in the Orange Bow if Virginia gets blown out against Clemson. Then the committee, uh, whoever picks the uh, games there for the New York uh, New Year's Six Bowls. They could possibly go get Virginia Tech, which would be hilarious. And I would laugh at all the UVA fans for that one. But uh, where do you think we're heading, man? Well, I mean, it it would be hilarious if we were to make the Orange Bowl. And listen, the one of the heads of the Orange Bowl committee said a couple months back that he loved Virginia Tech and he loves the fans and he loves the way the team plays. And so... I'm just saying, if UVA gets waxed by 30, 40 points or gets blanked out by Clemson, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but if it did, that would be great. That's what anyone would prefer, is to go there. But I think the more likely option is, given some of the projections I've seen, it looks like it's going to be someone like Alabama in the Citrus Bowl or possibly one of those lower SEC teams in the Belt Bowl. My preference would be Alabama because I want us to play the best teams. Can you imagine what it would do for our recruiting if we win against a, even an Alabama team that's not at its peak powers this year? A backup quarterback and a lot of true freshmen on the defense does not matter. It's Alabama. If Virginia Tech goes to the Citrus Bowl and beats Alabama, it will shoot our recruiting up. It will... It will be a statement on this program that is already in the midst of a huge turnaround. I mean, if it's not them, then give me the belt bowl, but let me play somebody like Tennessee or Kentucky because I don't want to play Mississippi State. There's nothing fun about playing Mississippi State. I don't want to play Ole Miss or whoever. I don't want to play one of those teams. I want to play Kentucky or Tennessee if we have to play a lower-level SEC school just because they're close to us and there's some kind of – local rivalry thing you know you can kind of beef with some of your friends like man we're gonna wax you guys it'll be a lot more fun if we play somebody like that yeah i mean nobody wants to play mississippi state i mean my goodness that's the worst game we could pull i mean kentucky's the next worst nobody wants to play kentucky i mean they're they're kentucky dump state yeah, <laughs> we have our personal opinions about the Kentucky. And anyway, but uh, Tennessee—that's who I really want, just for the uh, shits and giggles about it. Two evenly matched teams, probably. Uh, both trending upward. Both probably going to be ranked next year, preseason. Uh, <laughs> I even seen where Alabama might not even make it to New Year's Six Bowl that they could drop possibly to the belt bowl because Auburn's ranked ahead of them. So, I mean, Alabama is going to find themselves in foreign territory because they haven't been out of the college football playoff ever. And I couldn't say the last time they was ranked out of the top five in the final rankings. So, 
we might catch them with their head down if we get to play them and uh, take take that momentum into next year uh, with the uh, 2021 class looming large in recruiting. I mean, that would just be monumental for that class. I think so too, and I I would just I would love to play them. And you know, a lot of people on I've seen online that are like, "Man, I don't want to play Alabama. We'll get killed." Well, how do you even know? I mean, we don't even know. They don't even look that good. They gave up 48 points to a an absolute terrible Auburn team, I think. I mean, say what you want. Bo Nix is terrible. He's not even he's not a good quarterback. And they he made them he was passing all over them. What can you imagine what Hendon would do to that young defense? We would slice old Miss put up like 500 yards on them. We would slice them up. I mean, I know that their offense is good too and they'd probably put up a lot of points, but It'd be a shootout. It'd be fun to watch. And either way, if we lose, we say, okay, hey, we lost to Alabama. You know, blue chip pedigree program. They could probably got 54 and five star kids over there. And if we win, it boosts the program times a thousand. Yeah, we've played we've played a lot better Alabama teams than what they have right now, and we've come within one or two scores, uh, you know, from beating Alabama. So. I'm not scared of them at all. I really want some of them, really. But uh, <clears throat> anyway, I do too. give me the best teams. I mean, I, I don't like. I don't. I don't want to play Tennessee. I don't want to play Kentucky. I mean, if we have to, let's play Tennessee. But shout out Mississippi State, whatever. Don't want to play you. I mean, yeah. I don't. I don't. It's boring. I. I just don't want to see it. I want yeah. us to play the big dogs. Let's go. Let's see what we're made of. Yeah, Mississippi State. Go play a Big Ten school or something. But, yeah. uh, <laughs> but uh, we're, we're, we're coming down to the end of the uh, football season, and the playoff rankings come out tonight. Uh, Ohio State still first. Uh, LSU second, Clemson three, and Georgia four. I don't think the top three is going to change at all, win or lose. They're not changing. I mean, they might change one, two, or three, the, you know, the seating. But those three are in regardless. So it's really up to this fourth spot. And Utah's sitting in the catbird seat, and that's uh, really win, and they're in probably. But they got a tough test versus Oregon. You know, Clemson plays the Wahoos. Ohio State's got to play Jonathan Taylor in Wisconsin, and they're playing pretty good right now. So who knows? How that's going to turn out, but even, even though if they lose, they're going to get in. Then Georgia, if Georgia pulls the upset, then all then the top four teams right now is getting in. And then Oklahoma Baylor, if Baylor can come out and uh, redeem their uh, revenge their loss that they was leading big time in, and if they beat Oklahoma by three or four touchdowns, they may get that final fourth spot. But uh, I think what you gonna bring Roger in and talk about this? Uh, oh, Roger, come in. Bit? <clears throat> I have to agree with you guys on Baylor. I think they've got the they've got the tools to uh, give Oklahoma a game. I think they had the first one. I think they just let it kind of get away at the end. And I really like Brewer as a quarterback. I think he's got some weapons that can hurt Oklahoma there. Shout out Brewer, Michael Brewer, brother, big time Hokie. Let's go. But I think that's a. That is a winnable game for sure for Baylor, and it may not put them in the playoff, but I think it should put them squarely in the conversation. But we'll see what kind of fight they can put up. 
You know, I think um, I think the biggest game is probably the Utah Oregon game, just because Oregon at times has not looked that great against Auburn and against Arizona State, but other times they look like the best team in college football. So it this is really probably the one of the first big games Utah's played all year. I know a lot of people have questioned their strength of schedule, but I mean they've beat the pulp out of pretty much everybody they've put in front of them so it'll it'll be it'll be a lot on which Oregon team shows up is it that world beater Oregon team is it the crappy Oregon team is it the rally Oregon team they've got like four different styles they play which which Oregon team is going to show up against this Utah team are they going to spoil Utah's chances of getting a playoff berth and and really the entire Pac-12 or are they going to lay another egg I'm ready. I'm ready to see what Utah can do. I mean, they made the move to go into the Pac-12 to give themselves this chance. So we've all seen Oklahoma get into the playoff. And they've had their chances and can't get it done. Let's give it. Let's let's let Utah in there, man. Let's and see what they can do. It'll depend on which uh, Justin Herbert shows up too. Will it be the Justin Herbert who throws the two picks against Arizona State, or will it be the world beater Justin Herbert any other time? So. That'll be interesting to see, too. Yeah. You know, yeah. another thing is really, uh, will it even matter? I mean, is Georgia going to pull the upset against LSU all year? That's been the – coming into the season, everyone thought Georgia was the team to beat, really. I mean, coming in, that's all we heard about was that Georgia – this was Georgia's year. This was Georgia's year to overtake – the Alabama that has been a thorn in their side. Well, now Alabama's out of the way. Two losses, they're not in the picture. So now, you know, what do, What are you going to do, Georgia? Because everyone talked all season, all off season, this hype train. you got all these big-time recruits coming in. you got all these guys coming back. You've got sen- uh, juniors that say, I'm coming back for my senior year, baby. We're going to get the, you know, we're going to avenge these losses to Alabama two years in a row, you know, they're, so, okay, here's your chance. What are you going to do with it? So, Saturday is your chance. If you win, you're in. And maybe you jump all these teams and go, you know, straight to the top. Who knows? It depends on what the game looks like. So, I, I'm interested most because the Utah game might not even matter. It'll depend on what happens with Georgia first. And I don't even know what the time slots are or anything, but – you know, if Georgia pulls off the big upset, then really R.I.P. the Utah's chances because they're not leaving that team out. Yeah, this is this is Georgia's biggest opportunity they've had in a in a long time because they got this is basically a home game for them. Uh, you know, I think it's in the Georgia Dome, so it's going to be a home game. <laughs> All the uh, chips are in their. Uh, Hands is, is, you know, if they get it done, they're in or whatever. But they are depleted. Uh, their wide receiver core is down the third or fourth string. One of them got suspended for the first half, throwing a fight, uh, throwing hands against Georgia Tech. My goodness. But, uh, uh, you know, why would you do that against Georgia Tech? I mean, you know, you're <laughs> going to win by three or four scores. You know what stakes are at hand the very next weekend against LSU. Why would you put yourself in such a stupid position to get in a fight with Georgia Tech, who 
Yeah, I mean, I know it's a rivalry, but is it really one? I mean, you can make the same case for that as you could against, like, UVA, Virginia Tech up until this year. It's not even a rivalry. They barely ever compete. They've won, I think, three times in the last 20 years. Yeah. It's uh, not much of one. But uh, we don't have a game this weekend, but uh, we'll give some predictions on these championship games, uh, starting with... Utah, Oregon. I'm going to go with the Utah on that one. Uh, Clemson, UVA. I'm going to Clemson uh, 48, UVA 14. Ohio State, Wisconsin. I'm going to go uh, Ohio State 42, Wisconsin uh, 17. Georgia, LSU. I'm going to go LSU Thirty-six, Georgia twenty-four, Oklahoma Baylor's going to be a shootout. Uh, Baylor's going to avenge the loss. They're going to go forty-six, forty-two, Baylor. Roger, you want to give your predictions on those uh, five games? Well, I disagree with you a little bit on the Oregon Utah game. I think Oregon is going to Justin Herbert's going to come out and be ready to take the Utes down on that. That's the that's the one I'm really interested to see, and I agree with you on Baylor. I think uh, Baylor's going to avenge that loss. I think you're right about that. There's they don't play much defense in the big tw- in the Big Twelve, and that'll be a high scoring game. But I think Baylor will squeak that one out, and I pretty much agree with you on your other predictions. But I just can't wait to watch the games. It'll be fun. It's going to be a fun weekend, Brad. You got any predictions? Well, starting off on the. I'm going to start with the Utah game as well. I I think it's so interesting to see if Roger's right. Is Justin Herbert going to show up and be this best quarterback in the draft? Is he going to put himself in position for that number one pick? Uh, what what's he going to what's he going to do there in this second to last game, you know, of his collegiate career it looks like he's going to play for the draft and um I tend to agree with Roger. I, I think Oregon is going to come out firing. They do not want Utah to go to the playoff. They would rather the Pac-12 get left out. They're going to want that championship because they they have no chance at the playoff. I think Oregon's going to come out firing, and I think it could be a freaking blowout. Yeah, early. this is their playoff pretty much now. They know this is this is what they've got to play for. So I think they're going to come out with that mentality and go for it. I agree. I, I think the I, I think this is their biggest game of the year. Obviously, now that they're out of the playoff, and I think it's going to be a freaking beatdown. I'm I'm thinking like 45-14 Oregon. I don't. I just don't think Utah has the firepower. I, I want to believe in them, but I just don't. And um, I, I think the same for Clemson, UVA, all these UVA fans online, they're making the same arguments that I would have made if we had won, like, well, this isn't as good of a Clemson team, and they did have a lot of players go to the draft and all this. does not matter. You've got the second coming of freaking Peyton Manning that is as the quarterback for Clemson. He's unreal, and he's going to keep being unreal. After the North Carolina game, they flipped a switch. And they are going to be unbelievable. I'm thinking like 52 to 7. I mean, I don't even think UVA is going to make it a game. Uh, Ohio State and Wisconsin, I don't think is a game either. Ohio State is going to absolutely wax Wisconsin like they have already. Right? They've already yeah. played them once, and that they they it wasn't a game then. They'll take Jonathan Taylor out. 
Ohio State's defense is unbelievable. You can't pass on them. They've got four guys that are going to the NFL, two safeties and a, two cornerbacks. Their defensive line is ferocious. Chase Young trying to win a Heisman as a defensive player. Uh, I don't think that's even going to be a game either. I'm thinking probably 45-14-ish, somewhere in that range. Georgia LSU is a little different, though. I, I think Georgia is going to give them a scare. I think LSU is the second best team in the country right now. I think Ohio State's better. Um, I agree with the rankings as they are right now. I've said all year that Ohio State's unbelievable. And I think Georgia's going to give them a scare, but I think LSU is going to pull out a close one. I'm thinking it's not going to be as high scoring as the others. I'm thinking like 28-24, LSU pulls off a late touchdown to win. Oklahoma, Baylor, I agree. I think Baylor's going to pull off a big upset, and I think Baylor might find a way to squeak in that number four spot. I think they're going to be pissed off off about that loss they were winning big I think it was three touchdowns against uh, Oklahoma early in the season and I think they're gonna they might win by that three touchdowns I think they're, they're gonna make the adjustments necessary to hold Jalen Hurts down and I think they might actually pull off that three touchdown lead that they were holding the first time they played um, I think I think it could be somewhere in the 48-24 range, somewhere in there for the for the Baylor Baylor Bears getting in that number four spot. Yeah, I think this is a eye test Saturday. Eye test championship Saturday because the committee's going to be watching all these games. I think Baylor has to really go out there and wire them out to get into that fourth spot. And uh, Utah has to be impressive too. So it, it could go anywhere We'll wrap that part up, but uh, we're uh, so. Who do you think's getting in the four? Who do you think's getting in the four? Who's that fourth team? I mean, Utah is who I think. But okay. if they go off of quality wins and all this and that, and Oklahoma finds a way to beat Baylor, Oklahoma's going to get in just because they're Oklahoma. Yeah, I mean, that's true. But if I, <laughs> I want Utah to get in, but I think Oklahoma will get it. What do y'all think? Um, I th- I think it's going to – I've already pretty much – yeah, I mean, I think Baylor's going to pull off, like, a really impressive two or three touchdown win. Like, I, I think they're going to find a way to squeak in, especially with, I think, you know, Oregon winning against Utah puts Utah out and Oregon's already basically out. And if you – and then if, you know, Baylor pulls off a huge win, like two or three touchdown win over Oklahoma, I think I think Baylor's going to squeak, squeak in there. Yeah, like I said, I just feel like uh, Oregon's going to be motivated, and they're going to come in there and want to take that game, and I just think Utah's going to be a moot, a moot point there. I think they're going to be out. Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty good valid points there, guys. A bit of football season coming to an end. All we're going to have left here is uh, the recruiting carousel, and then uh, we got Mike Young going to be holding us holding us down here during the football off season, but a shout out to Mike Young in the tournament in Maui pulled the big upset versus uh, Michigan State ran into a buzzsaw versus Dayton I think they're a very good basketball team they're going to go deep in the tournament and uh, who was the last team they played? BYU BYU just shot the lights out so they just uh, the perfect storm young team it's to be expected but they got a big one coming up Friday, man. They got Duke at home. What do you think? Um, 
I don't want to. I'm not going to like pick an upset or anything. I, they do live and die by the three and the, and their defense. Uh, sometimes the defense is suspect when a team with a really good big man like Dayton, you know, just kind of Dayton basically just toss the ball inside, let him score, and then it just so happens that their same big man is basically Kristaps Porzingis and was then stepping out and shooting threes. So when they clogged the lane up, he said, oh, well, no big deal. I'll just shoot like five threes in a row and make all five of them or like four out of five or whatever it was. And, you know, it, it was just a per- – like you said, it was a perfect storm both games. Uh, we live and die by the three. Our defense is solid, but it, it has a few holes, obviously. Young team, like you said, and, and not a lot of big big man in the middle. So I, I, I'm – I think I'm cautiously optimistic that we'll keep it close. If we pull the upset, then freaking awesome because I hate Duke and I hate their basketball program more than probably any basketball program other than UVA, I guess. But um, I think we'll keep it close, but I, I don't know that we have the firepower to keep up with them. I, I certainly hope we do, but you never know. Yeah, I mean, we got a history of beating Duke at uh, Castle. So anything can happen, but we we have got to find a big man between now and next year. Got to hit the recruiting trail, get a big guy in six ten, six eleven, seven foot. We need somebody big who, you know, just give us a presence down low. I think that's what this team is missing. They got the shooters. Uh, we just we just can't do nothing with a team that has a big man, and that's going to hone us all year. If we can go five hundred in the ACC, I'm going to be happy. Uh, it will haunt us, but I, I think we have the the skill to overcome it in spots. But I I agree with you. Even if it's a JUCO transfer or if it's a, a transfer portal or whatever, we, we need to scope out and, and find a, a good big man that, that is fast and has the has length, you know. Somebody like that just to give some help on, on the defensive side, if nothing else, because we really don't have to have it on offense it's really the defense that we get hurt by we just don't really have anyone that can guard somebody in the middle it's just uh, landers is good at, i mean he's a good defensive player but he's just not tall enough when you get a six eleven guy with a you know a seven foot wingspan down there he just he's just not big enough yeah i think i think duke will get us this time uh I don't know if it did even be close. That that Graves guy, he's he's pretty deadly down low. But if I was uh, a, if I was a betting man, I'd I'd bet on Duke. But I'm not. I don't. I'm never gonna root against my team, and I hate Duke. So I'm hope I'm hoping for the upset, and I think we could keep it close with our tenacious defense. So you know what? Let's go Hokies. I'm gonna be cheering them on. Yeah, and, uh, didn't have a lot to talk about in this podcast, but one of our listeners wanted us to touch base on the local recruits here in Southwest Virginia getting overlooked, maybe missed. I know the, uh, the kicker, Jordan Stout, we had him and then lost him to Penn State because we wouldn't give the guy a scholarship. I'm not sure what we was thinking on that, but we, uh, even Mac McClung, we didn't recruit him to come to Virginia Tech, which is just mind-blowing. Uh, would love to have him there, but the uh, the kicker from Richlands today, Levi, I think's his name, can kick it out of the field. I watched him when he played Union, and I'm not even not even sure Virginia Tech was looking at the kid, but he signed with Penn State today. Well, that's three just, that Penn State's looking at. I mean, yeah, Penn State's had, all over the state. 
then we got Trenton Atkins down here who's going to Ohio State on visits, Purdue, Tennessee, Kentucky, West Virginia. And not yet have I seen him at Virginia Tech with Justin Hamilton, a Clint Wood graduate as a coach up there. I mean, what are we doing? Why why ain't we coming after the local talent down here, man? And it's it's not even it's not even only Southwest Virginia, it's all over the state. I mean, that uh, one of the big cornerbacks a couple of years ago at Penn State, he was from, I think, the Norfolk region. And, uh, you know, we've talked a lot about Tony Grimes, number one defensive player in the state, number one, uh, like top five or top ten defensive player in the country. And one of his top teams is Penn State. Penn State took that kicker from Jordan Stout from Honeaker. That Penn State got a five-star punter in Levi out of Richlands. And it's like, I don't want to harp on Penn State, but they are recruiting the state of Virginia really freaking well, and it's not only them. North Carolina, we recruit the state of North Carolina great. North Carolina's starting to do the same to us. They're pulling out a lot of big recruits out of Virginia. And, it's, I mean, like you were talking about, Ohio State's looking down here. West Virginia's looking down here. There's SEC schools looking here, you know. And I'm glad that Fuente's opening the pipeline to places like Florida, Keyshawn King out of Florida and – uh, you know, Hendon come from North Carolina, which we've all, always had big ties in North Carolina, and this new Texas movement is great, and I, and I love it, but what about these local guys that are in your backyard? Some of our best players have, I mean, some of the greats, Michael Vick, have, have all these guys have come from the state of Virginia. That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to take the greats from in-state, and then we're supposed to steal some guys out of state. That's what a great football program does. The greatest players in Alabama, guess where they're going? Alabama and Auburn. The greatest players in Georgia, they're going to Georgia. You know, and it, and it's like that in every state, and it seems like it's not like that here. And by the way, for us or UVA, UVA's not recruiting this state well either. And I think it's a grave mistake for both programs, but I don't give a shit about them. I care about us and it's a grave mistake for us because there is some real good top talent both down here in southwest Virginia and across the entire state. There is some really good talent. As you're seeing with James Mitchell, that guy is a superstar, a, a, an up-and-coming superstar. And we could have had the same thing in Levi and Jordan Stout. And, uh, you know, I'm hoping we can find a way to pry Tony Grimes from all these other schools that are – going hard after him that would be a huge win for us and we need more of those in our own backyard we need those wins yeah we have to uh we have to start winning winning the state on recruiting we got to start winning the 757 uh penn state's living in the 757 i, I can't remember who it was not long ago one of the uh, local coaches up there was talking about Penn State sending the letters every week to all the players, like you know, we want you. I mean, I don't know. I, we got to start winning the state and roll the red carpet out for the for the local boys. And uh, Virginia Tech was built on Virginia players, and uh, some of the best football players in the country are out there on the uh, in the seven five seven. Big game next year versus Penn State. I mean, we have to win that game just to prove to those recruits that. We can win big games at Virginia Tech. I mean, yeah, I have, totally agree. We have got to make recruits want to come to Virginia Tech. 
And and I think we can. I think I think the biggest problem is we're not even looking at these guys. Like you said, I don't I don't know that we even were looking at at the punter from Richlands that just committed to Penn State Levi. I don't I mean, were we even looking at him? I mean, like you said with Mike McClung, he didn't even get a an offer from Virginia Tech. And I know that was the Buzz Williams era and he had his own style or whatever, but I mean, it's so confusing to me that we're not even looking at some of these dudes. It takes a number one guy in Tony Grimes. Shout out, Tony Grimes. You're a freaking baller, dude. I hope you enjoyed your visit at the Pittsburgh game. It was freaking lit. But, I mean, it takes a guy like that for us to even look at a Virginia product. We need to be looking at some of these three- and four-star guys, too. When we were in, at our best in the you know late 90s, early 2000s, we were recruiting the hell out of Virginia. And I, it we're not going to get back to that top 10 program until we start recruiting the best players, four and five star blue chip guys out of our own backyard. I agree, man. I don't have much more to talk about in this podcast, but I'd like to give a shout out to all the Twitter followers, man. We haven't been on there for what? Three weeks, three, three and a half weeks. Yeah. And already had a almost 1100 followers, man. You guys rock. Hokie nation. You guys are awesome. Uh, it's so much fun it's so much fun just like interacting with people and even like getting in some twitter wars with these uva guys it's just fun to you know interact with all these all these people in hokey nation and uh, just like get the excitement and even this the the disappointment after uva just like having such a large uh basically a family to share that with is so cool yeah it definitely made the uh pain ease away a little bit better but and that's all I got, unless you want to speak on anything else. Uh, I think that wraps it up for this week. We got plenty to plenty coming back with next week. You know, we'll we'll find out uh, what bowl we go to, I believe, before we do the next podcast, and we'll have a lot to talk about on that, and a lot to talk about on the recruiting trail with our early signing day coming up the week after the next podcast, and the Duke Virginia Tech basketball game. So we'll we'll have plenty to speak on coming up very soon. Yeah, hopefully we have a defensive coordinator next week to talk about. Uh, oh, we're thinking about it. <clears throat> yeah, definitely. That's uh, <laughs> hopefully it's a home run. But yeah, uh, we'll uh, we'll wrap it up. Thank, give a shout out to Roger for coming on tonight with his predictions. Thank you, Roger. No problem. And uh, Hokie Nation, we'll catch you next week. Peace. Thank you, guys. Bye.